mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 9. We're going to be beginning in verse 35 this morning. And prayerfully, we will finish the chapter this week. I'm like, wow, we've been going a long time on the blind man, born from birth, blind, and Jesus opens his eyes. Remember the text? Are you guys still with me? <clears throat> and then after he is noticed by his neighbors, he's noticed by others that his blind eyes have been opened because, you know, obviously all of us, anybody, if you knew somebody that was born blind or was blind and all of a sudden they're walking around on their own, it would be easy to notice. And what we need to understand that if somebody, all of us are somebody, were born in darkness, spiritual darkness, blind with no eyes to see the spiritual realm, and then we come to salvation and the Holy Spirit opened our eyes, wouldn't it be obvious wouldn't there be a difference? Wouldn't our neighbors notice us as we walked around if we knew Jesus now? Wouldn't there be something, some dynamic that's different? And I think that that's where we're being led by Christ. Because, you know, you can, you can have all of your physical faculties working great and still go to hell. You can be physically perfect. You can be physically rich. You can be physically the leader. You can be physically in power. You can have everything looking like that you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and still go to hell. You can, you can be one of two people. You can either come to salvation and believe in Jesus, or you can keep hardening your heart when you hear truth. Jesus has come to give us light to give us truth, to wake us up, to take our judgment, and to give us salvation and a new nature to live by. And there's only two kinds of people. Those who hear that message and soften their heart and believe by faith, and those who continue to think they're okay and harden their heart and live their own way according to their own standard to continue to be religious. And it hasn't ever changed. It's always been this way for everybody that we have to hear God and he gives light and he opens our eyes. Have your eyes been opened? Then if they've been opened, have your neighbors noticed? Do people around you notice? Are people actually talking about it? Because this man goes and is taken before religious leaders. Those that are religious, listen, they're religious. We're not saying they're saved, they're religious. We're not saying that they know God, they're religious. They have their own legalistic practices and they tell him, since you don't do it our way, we're going to cast you out. They kick him out of the synagogue. And in, that, in this case, it means 
It means more than that because everything about the Jewish citizen was traced all the way back to Adam and Eve. Their entire lineage is traced back. You lose everything if you lose your position in the synagogue and the religious leaders do not recognize you. <clears throat> you become like a leper. You become like one who can't do anything in society. You're going to have no doors open to you. And that's what we've seen as we've come up to this and move forward in it. As we see Jesus makes clay and heals a man that was blind from birth. And it causes all of this controversy. And of course, some believe and some disbelieve. Some are in unbelief as to who he was. And then we see the simple wisdom of God upon this man. We see the simple wisdom of God, not the complicated religion of man, but the simple wisdom of God when this man says, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 31, <clears throat> 9:31, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. <clears throat> That's when they answered him. And they said, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They pushed him out. They thrust him out of their religious synagogue. Did you see verse 33? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. We're going to get to that eventually. And I'd like to just bring it up that in John 15, 5, that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And we see the same thing going on here. Jesus heals a physical malady, but the whole time he's speaking to this man or drawing this man, leading this man to where? To himself. We talked about it last week. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And then we've seen that Judas actually lifted up his heel against Christ. And so, that, again, two, two roads, two places. Either you and I are going to come to salvation and be led to Christ and lift up Christ, or we're going to keep lifting up our heel against him. And so we see, I like, I like that chapter 10 as we move forward, <clears throat> we're seeing that Jesus is leading this man to himself. Chapter 10 is going to be about the good shepherd. And that nobody can come in unless they come in through the door, through Christ. So he's leading him right to himself. And I would ask you this morning, have you come to church? Have you come to religion? Or have you come to Christ in a relationship? Are you coming to a relationship where you can hear his voice? You can articulate what he's saying. You're coming to know him personally in a marriage relationship, and you're beginning to follow him and obey him and be conformed to his image and do the things that he's doing, which, again, is all you're going to ever hear from me is the reconciliation of souls. That's why Jesus is here. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's why he came is to bring light, but truth to wake us up in our darkness from our sleep and to save souls.
all of that goes together because when you really think about it, the darkness is blindness. You ever try to get up in the dark? We talked about this. I, I, you get up and you hit your toe on the corner of the bed. But when you have light, you can see clearly what is going on. And this is the light of the world that has come to wake us up from our darkness, to wake us up from our sleep, to, to rouse us from that sleep. And religious people will say, well, you're in sin. You don't have anything to say. But I will tell you that the whole body of Christ has something to say. All of us are called to be witnesses. In fact, in Acts 1.8, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's not one person. That's everybody in the body of Christ. When the Spirit comes in and gives you light, when the Spirit comes in and removes your spiritual blind eyes, because it's not about our physical eyes, it's about the spiritual eyes. If you die without spiritual eyes to see, you're going to go to hell. You're going to remain in outer darkness for eternity. But when your eyes are open, we come to life. We come to Christ. We come to truth. We come to follow the light of the world. And he is the door. He's the way out of this world and the way into heaven. There is no other way. Just as the scriptures proclaim, there's no other name by which men can be saved but the name of Christ Jesus. And name is always your authority, your character, your nature, your will. Every road leads right back to Jesus if we believe in Christ. Have your eyes been open? Have you come to him? If not, then ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your blind eyes because this book is spiritually discerned. The kingdom of God is spiritually discerned. It's not about the physical because you're going to see in the physical things that you want to emotionally be charged and deal with. But God in his spirit will say, no, don't do that. And you have to be listening to the spirit of God in order to be a child of God, because it says in Romans 8, 14, you guys know this verse yet? As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen to me. We don't want to be led by sight. So even though our eyes are open, our physical eyes are open, we can't see spiritual with these eyes. We have to see it with our heart. We have to see it by being led by the truth, by the Spirit of God, by what He's telling us to do, because our own physical eyes will lie to us. Our own physical eyes will lead us in a ditch if we're not applying truth if we're not allowing the spirit to lead us so again i just want to continue to remind you that you need to get into the word prayer and fellowship to actively be a part of the body of christ to actively be led by the spirit of god the spirit of god is not going to lead you to continue to be a lone wolf on your own where you're separated like the separatist here that will not even receive Christ. They will not receive the light of the world. The, the, the Spirit of God is not going to lead you to be alone. The devil does that. He wants you to, get, uh, to, to, to take you and get you away so he can decimate you. He can destroy you. We're going to see in chapter 10 that he has come. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good shepherd comes and lays his life down for the sheep. 
And if your eyes are open, we can't keep doing what we've always done. Your life radically changes. Listen, salvation radically changes a life because now you're no longer stumbling around into the darkness, bumping your toes on beds. You're no longer stumbling around in darkness, wondering what it's all about, wondering what life is about, wondering what I should be doing. I wonder if I could find excitement or fun or, or a fulfillment in this or that or this. And then you know when your eyes come open that you were born for what Christ has for you and you give up everything that's in the world. And in fact, you become spiritually, or excuse me, physically blind because now we walk by faith, following the author and the finisher of our faith. So no matter what we see, we still follow truth. No matter what you see with your physical eyes, you're still following truth. It doesn't matter. So you become, in a sense, physically blind to what you're being fed, physically blind to what you're taking in and you you filter it through the spiritual eyes of the word of God you put on the sunglasses of the word of God that the spirit of God is leading you through and you ask for wisdom and you begin to filter everything through spiritual eyes and you and I can't see the spiritual realm but we're told in the gospel that it's true that it's there that there's demons that there's a battle an angelic conflict if you will of spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places and so we know that it's going on we can see the results of it in life in lawlessness in certain parts of town and in cities and places you can see the the the, the spiritual realm being given full control of a life Or you can keep following physical eyes and living in a physical way and ignoring what God has to say. Listen, before we begin, oh, I've been going, haven't I? Before we begin, it's okay if the world casts you out. It's okay if the religious establishment casts you out. It's okay if you don't feel like you belong because if you know Jesus, this is not your home. You're pilgrims here. We, we are the aliens. We're mere passer buyers. This is not our home. We're here behind enemy lines. We're POWs sometimes if we don't understand this truth. If our eyes aren't open, we become prisoners of war down here. But listen, if you do not feel comfortable, it's okay that they cast you out. Because you belong to Christ. If you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus, this is not your home. Let's read. And I want to continue this. And hopefully, um, by the grace of God, my flesh will get out of the way. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. 
Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. And if you didn't have a chapter break, listen to me, it would go on. Jesus would continue. He would say, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now listen, I read that, but we'll probably cover that next week. But notice, they didn't understand the things because they're spiritually blind. They have their own way of religion, and they just cast out one that Jesus is drawing to him. So keep that in mind for next week. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes that we might see Jesus, that we might know him, that we might have a relationship with him and that we might follow him as he leads us out of this dark, dark world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. Pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. So this man is cast out of the synagogue. Here he is. He's trying to give testimony. He's trying to to say, I was once blind. He's trying to, to, to just simply give wisdom That if this man was not from God, he couldn't do anything. And this man made clay, and he gave him a command to go. He sent him, and he went and obeyed, and his eyes were open. He was healed completely. And because he met Jesus, they cast him out of the synagogue. Listen, that's something that when people will not receive you, it's okay. If they don't receive you, they first rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus first. So if you're being a witness of Jesus, the world is not going to accept you. <clears throat> Listen, I don't care if, it, if they call themselves the religious authorities. I don't care if they call themselves pastor. I don't care what they say if they're Christians. If they don't receive you, there's something wrong, isn't there? If they want to cast you away when all you're speaking is the word of God in truth, I always think about the only time I've ever been in trouble at work is for sharing the gospel. And it was always by some Christian who called in that didn't like what I was saying. And all I was sharing was the Bible. And I, I mean, it's just a testimony against them. If you get mad about the Word of God, if you don't want to be in the Word of God, if you don't want to conform to the Word of God and begin to follow the Word of God and hear what the Word of God is saying and become a doer of the Word and not a hearer only, you need to find out why. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I know you died and rose again, but why do I not want to be involved? Why is my flesh still ruling my life and leading my life? Why am I still living by sight instead of by faith? 
following the altar and the finisher of my faith. We need to come back to God and ask him, what is the problem? And he wants to give us wisdom. He's coming. He's searching for the lost sheep. He's looking for those who are still out there. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And believe me, repentance is the place. Metanoia. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. You stop listening to the world and the religious leaders and the government, and you begin to listen to the Spirit of God. The light of the world who's come to lead us out of darkness. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It looks right where you're standing at and says you're standing in the wrong place. Follow me because I love you and I died for you. And then you begin to follow him. No matter what you think you see with your eyes. No matter what you think you already know. Everything that you think you know is suspect especially if it doesn't line up with the truth of the Word of God. No matter how clearly you see thousands or millions of other people following some truth, it's a lie if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Truth is a person, and truth has came to save us. And we need to wake up to this. We really do. Because, see, the entire nation of Israel is blind not going to go there. You can read chapter 11 of Romans. They're blind in part because of us, the age of the Gentiles. They were blinded in the other part because of their own reaping. They continued to sow and do their own thing and follow their own system and make up their own religion and ignore God, and they became apostate. And God let them have what they were seeking after. But he hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't given up on them. Just as he grafted you and I as a wild olive branch into the root, he can graft them back in. But they're blind in part. Well, they're, they're spiritually blind. Because that's what's most important. Because we're spirits, remember? We're spirits in a body. Whether I can see with my physical eyes does not matter. My maladies do not matter. But what happens in the world? What happens in the flesh? What happens in our fight? What happens in this trial in the wilderness as we harden our heart? Everything that we do, we get our eyes fixed on the physical, the carnal. And God is saying, stop. Get your eyes fixed on the spiritual. Open your spiritual eyes. You're, being, you're blinding yourself on purpose spiritually, even though I've opened your eyes. You continue to reject the Word of God and keep looking at the physical. You're blinding your own spiritual eyes. I'm trying to give you spiritual insight, but you're rejecting the Word. You're not reading the Word. You don't want to fellowship with the Word. You don't want to follow the Word. And yet, Proverbs 6.23 says, The law is a lamp and the Word is a light. Reproofs of correction are the way of life. In other words, we see the word. We see what's going on. We're in the wilderness. There's a big trial and the reproving, the, the sanctifying and the cleansing, the washing, the purifying, the, the, the reproofs of correction are the way of life. Everything is there for us to learn from, to be corrected so we can be purified and he can give us more light, more light and more light 
But when we reject them, we don't just take the first light and act upon it and become doers. We're saying, no, no, I like my darkness. No, Jesus, instead of yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Now, I remember I was talking about this song when we were singing it, that, that uh, uh, Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. But God just changed his mind. God just gave him a command to rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he was trying to, to let him understand that the Gentiles were coming in and that nothing God had ever made was unclean, that, he, that he's purifying these things. And Peter was arguing with God. Are you finding yourself arguing with God the way Jacob did? That's the old nature. You're not receiving the love of the truth and arguing with God instead of just simply surrendering to the wisdom of God. What did they just do? They cast out this man that was born blind and has been healed and said, are you teaching us? You are altogether born in sins. Well, so were they. But they think they're different. They think that there's, and you know, remember I've told you all the time that God hates the work of the Nicolaitans. Nico means above the laity. And this is what happens when you build religious systems and you try to get beyond them. And, and it's not just the people that does that, the Nicolaitans, but, but people in the pews. They be, if they ignore light, if they won't read the Word of God, if they won't pray, if they won't spend time with the Holy Spirit and be, and be uh, taught, then they begin to think that other people are rock stars. Then they begin to look and read their books, and they think that those people have some spiritual insights that they're not privy to. And then they begin to reap that. They begin to actually think that they are inferior to other people. But all of us are the body of Christ. All of us have been given gifts. All of us are called for a purpose, and we're all supposed to be involved, listening to the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. But if we ignore it, we reject it, we refuse it, you're either believing or unbelieving. You're either believing or unbelieving. There's only two ways, and this is speaking of your spiritual eyes, either believing or unbelieving. Now, in Psalms 95, 8, the psalmist says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Do you understand that we're in a courtroom? Do you understand that we're going through some trials? Do you understand that reproofs and correction are the way of life and how you deal with the trial with the word of God and the spirit of God, not by what you see, not by where you want to go, but where God tells you to go and tells you to do. This is the jury trial that's going on. The judgment has been taken. Judgment has been taken at the cross. Jesus took all of our judgment. But now you have to choose to receive it. You have to choose to, to follow his word, to be led by his word, to be led by his spirit, to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship with one another, the one another ministry. But when we go out and we just do our own thing and we get isolated, then the devil begins to decimate us. And then we begin to reap what we're sowing. We go out and we, 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 we disband and we go, nah, I'm going to just go do what I want to do. And we don't become part of the body. We don't become part of what's going on. Now listen, it's always going to happen. The sheep and the goat live together. Jesus talks about this a lot. The, the wheat and the tare, they're together. And I love the wheat and the tare because wheat and tares look just alike. They look just alike. They look just like this. 
But as you begin to receive the light of the word of God and you begin to let the light water you and cleanse you and the word begins to grow, you know what happens with real, with real wheat? It grows fruit. And then the head gets heavy and it begins to humble itself. A tear will keep looking just like it always looked because there's nothing in it. And it stays proud and it stays stood up and it doesn't humble itself because the more fruit you grow, the more light you get, the more the Holy Spirit washes and cleanses you, the more fruit you'll grow for the harvest. And you'll bow down and you'll want more and you'll go, the more I grow, I don't even understand grace. I don't understand this, Lord, but I want to be led by you. I don't want to be led by my own eyes, my own strength, my own power, my own desires, because they will lead me back to hell. They will lead me back into a ditch. They will lead me into apostasy and to doing my own thing in my religious, pretentious, uh, pretending ways. And that's what's going on here. And somebody who's meeting Jesus, being drawn to Jesus, his eyes have been opened by Jesus. He hasn't come to salvation yet. That's where God's bringing him. Listen, the religious people cast him out. They say, I'm not going to deal with you. I don't want to deal with you. We don't, you're altogether born in sins. And we are very spiritual here. And this man healed on the Sabbath day, so he's not from God. Be careful what you say is not from God. When I read my Bible, they're always rejecting God. And they have an upside-down view because they don't have spiritual eyes. And they see things differently. But when you're led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God for the glory of God, it doesn't matter whether you're accepted. Because when you're cast out, what happens? Jesus comes. And He gathers you up. And He makes you His own. He's been waiting for you to say no to the world and yes to him and to find out who he is. Look what it says. Jesus heard. Now, remember, we're talking about the physical because he is in a physical body at this time. And he has to move in a physical way, even though he's being taught by the spirit, being led by the spirit, Jesus himself. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, so we see Jesus went looking for that lost sheep. Jesus went looking for him because he heard the world had cast him out. He heard the religious authority had cast him out. He heard that he was rejected by them. And that's where he comes. He comes to the back of the line to choose his sheep. At the lowest point, when you have nothing more to gain, He found him and he said to him, this is what he says. And my sheep hear my voice, Jesus says. I know them and they follow me. Listen, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? Messianic term, speaking of the son of God who would come. Son of man, some of the texts say, if you have the NIV or something. Still speaking of the Messiah. Believe is the word pistio. It means, do you trust your spiritual well-being into the Son of Man, into the Son of God? This is what he's saying to him. And here's his answer. It may be your answer. Because we know that back over in verse 12, he said, I do not know. Where is he? I do not know. Now, the first time this man is actually laying physical eyes upon Jesus, he's seeing him for the first time the one that opened his eyes. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of God? 36, he answered and said to him, 
Who is he, Lord? Now, we can look at this a couple different ways. Lord is the word kurios, but it can mean sir, it can mean master, or it can be the supreme, uh, supreme authority of the universe. If you're under the lordship of Jesus Christ and you know that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then he's the supreme of the universe. But just in, just in politeness, he could be saying sir or master or teacher, and that's still kurios. So we don't know. I believe he's being led to him. I don't believe he thinks yet that he is the supreme in authority, but I'm not sure. I'm just telling you that it could be used different ways. He says, though, have you ever said that? Who is he? Who is this God that would come to earth and take flesh in a virgin? Who would, who would live 30 years under uh, obedience to his parents? And then he would have an itinerant preaching ministry where he was a circuit preacher for three and a half years. And then he would die for the sins of the world and that God would raise him up. He would make all of these claims of what he was doing. He's the great I am. I am the light of the world. Who is this? that would die for us. What grace is this? What love is this? Have you ever asked who he is? Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal if you truly come to salvation. He wants you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, into the image of God. And, and this should be a growing, a, a daily walk with God to grow in the grace and the knowledge, not to continue to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because we're on trial. We're in a jury trial. And, and the devil is the prosecutor. He's the, he's the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is our lay advocate. He's our lawyer. And he's come down. And not just to become our lawyer and to defend us, but he died for us. Because really, if the gavel come down, we were judged guilty because all are sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he stands now and defends us. And he says, Father, they're mine. And listen to me. We have everything we need for judgment. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? See, he's, he's hungry. He wants to believe in him. Who is the son of man? The whole nation knows that the Messiah is coming. They're teaching it. They're preaching it. And he shows up and here are these religious people that's made up their own system. They cast out a blind man who's been healed by somebody who did a perfect work that proved who he was. We'll get there in a minute, but look at, just cl click over a couple pages. We've done this. We're doing it again. It's chapter 12. It's chapter 12. I just want you to see, I'm just going to read one line, verse 48. He who rejects me, Jesus speaking, yours might be in red, and does not receive my words, has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Listen, this word is everything we need that the Spirit of God leads us through. Old Testament, it's all hidden. Old Testament, the foundation. New Testament, it's being fulfilled. Jesus comes and fulfills everything that was ever said. And the word is what we're going to be judged by. Think about it. When you go to school, where did they get their system? Where did they get their textbooks and they teach you and train you and then have a test at the end of the week? 
They got it all from Christ. They got it all from the Bible. Everything that's ever been done is either being the Bible correctly or the Bible perverted. But it all started with the creator who made clay with the mist and the, and the dirt. He made, he made mud and he created man out of mud and he breathed into his nostrils. He's the potter that's shaping the clay. The question is, are you shaping yourself or are you allowing the word of God, the light of the world to shape your life now because you've come to salvation, because your spiritual eyes are open and you are now being led by God? Or are you still saying, ah, I don't want to change my mind in that area. I don't want to change my mind there. I think because I said a prayer and I believe some false teachers, I'm okay now. I'm automatically in. Listen to me. Don't harden your heart. These right here thought they were automatically in. They thought they were the end all. They thought they were the ones that were answering other people. And they cast out somebody that Jesus is drawing to him. They're so upside down and apostate that they would cast away one of Christ's little ones. One of his sheep, one of his children. And they think that they're still okay. If we're bearing fruit, we don't become proud and obnoxious and make up our own religion and our own separatists and our own legalism. If we're bearing fruit, we bow down more and more and more and allow Christ to live through us. We don't turn back into twice the sons of hell. We don't turn back into a, a, a religious snob. We need to be very, very careful or we will cast out people that Christ is drawing to him. Be very careful what you do. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him, that I may commit to him, that I may trust in him, that I may commit my spiritual well-being to him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. You're listening to his voice right now. It's the same voice you heard when I said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And you went and you washed. So Jesus reveals himself to him. When you ask who he is, he will reveal himself. I think it's very interesting. This blind man that's been cast out, we see that he reveals himself clearly. But remember in John chapter 4, when the Samaritan woman said, there's one coming. He said, I am he. He wouldn't reveal it to others, but this castaway lady who had been married six times was now living with uh, her, her boyfriend. Says, there's one coming called the Messiah. He says, I am he. And he revealed himself. But he does not reveal himself to the proud. He doesn't reveal himself to the one who thinks he already can see. He doesn't reveal himself to the one who already thinks he can see spiritually and already knows how to do things. He draws those that understand they're blind. Not physically, but spiritually. Do you understand that we're blind? Do you understand that even today you're still blind? You might be able to see better. I was blind, but now I see. But we can't see fully. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And Jesus does. And he's preparing us today for tomorrow. The trials today are for tomorrow. So that we learn how to walk into the future and still be reconcilers of souls. Even though there's a battle coming that's going to be horrible, it's going to be hard, but we keep our eyes fixed on reconciling souls.
instead of automatically going, okay, flash, 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 get in the flash. We're going to go in the flash. We Mayday, mayday, red alert. We're in the flesh now. No, no. God's trying to train us to stay walking in the spirit. And then we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Stay in the spirit is something that we do but by always reminding ourselves we need to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship, that we are nothing of our own. We are blind on our own. We need the Spirit's wisdom to lead us into tomorrow. We need our daily bread. We need to have the Spirit with us and the Word of God with us and the heart of God with us for the salvation of souls in order to see tomorrow those that are hurting and need to hear the truth. Anybody read Isaiah 29 last week? That was homework, wasn't it? Let's go there. Isaiah 29. See, the nation of Israel has been here. We've seen this. I'm going to read Isaiah 29 and try to go pretty quickly. There's a woe pronounced to Ariel, which means lion of um, God or Jerusalem is who it is. It's uh, the city where David dwelt. There's a, a woe, verse one, and you move through it. Um, I'm just going to go start in verse 9, though, and just read a little bit and see what God would reveal. 29.9 of Isaiah, I think Hezekiah is king. And God has told him what's going to happen. We're having the reforms of Hezekiah. And I don't know if you remember, if he was with us on Friday night, you know the Hezekiah after he's healed and he asked for 15 more years. Then he, he actually shows Egypt everything, or Babylon, everything that's in his temple, all of his riches. But in 29.9 it says, Pause and wonder, blind yourself and be blind. Isn't that interesting? Reap what you sow. If you ignore the Word of God, if you ignore truth and you don't become a doer of truth, you're going to blind yourself and you'll be blind. You're going to say, I don't want the light. They are drunk, but not with wine. They're drunk with self. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. They're in delusion. They're not sober-minded. This is the way, even though the reforms of Hezekiah are there, it's not personal revival. It's not personal relationship. It's a religious system that's being followed. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. This is the people that would speak to him and all the false prophets and all the false seers and all the false things are going on. I didn't read verse 8. You can go back and read it later about dreaming and that's all they're doing because it is deep sleep that God has put upon them. And you know, in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4, he says, Awake, you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And light means you'll open your blind eyes. He'll give you light because we're in darkness. And then he wakes us up and he shines his light. And then we begin to follow his light. The whole vision has become to you like the words of the book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot. It is sealed. 
It means it's closed. It means it's marked. It means it stops. And you can't read it because God sealed up the book. Then the book is delivered to different ones, to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. The word there is yada. yada. It's the word to know. I do not know. You ever been talking to somebody and you go yada, yada? You know why they say yada, yada? It's the Hebrew for to know. And so you say yada, yada, so you don't have to fill in the whole gap of what they already are supposed to know about what you're talking about. That's why you say yada, yada. It means to know. It's Hebrew for to know. And he says, I don't know. He asks somebody who's illiterate because they don't know how to read. Therefore, the Lord said, 13, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts. See, it's the inside. It's not the outside. It's the inside that God's after. He's not wanting what you can see physically. He's wanting what you have spiritually. Your spiritual hearts, the middle of you, their hearts are far from me and they and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Now listen, because Jesus quotes this in the New Testament. He quotes this very verse. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous, a beautiful work. That's what the word was, marvelous. Isn't it marvelous that you don't know who this man is, the blind guy says, and he's opened my eyes? Isn't that marvelous? Among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the lord and their works are in the dark they say who sees us and who knows us surely you have things turned around shall the potter be esteemed as the clay for shall the thing made say of him who made it he did not make me or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? Listen to me, because it's speaking of the things going on today or the things that we're seeing in the text in John chapter 9. Because the potter just made some clay and put it on a blind man's eyes and said, go and wash. And when he obeyed, his blind eyes were open. And that was drawing him to him. And then he was able to have his spiritual eyes open. And these people, Hezekiah, who's doing reforms. Hezekiah's doing the reforms. And he blows it in the end of his life. And in, in that 15 years that God gave him, what did he do? He gave birth, not man gave birth, only a woman could give birth. The woman, his wife, gave birth to Manasseh, which means what? Manasseh means causing to forget, right? Used in a good way when Joseph named his first child Manasseh, when he began to, to grow in Egypt down when he was cast down there because he was being prepared to deliver a whole nation, he named him Manasseh, causing him to forget. He named his second one Ephraim, fruitful, right? But here, Manasseh is they begin to forget the reforms of God, the ways of God, the counsel of God, because the prophets are blinded, the seers can't help. And what do they do? They're making plans to go to Egypt. They're making plans to go to the world. Egypt is always the type of the world. Pharaoh's the type of the devil for you and I. And their plans are, oh, we see God. We're, making, we're revived and we're, we're following God. But our whole plan is to go to the world for help. And God has already told them they're going to go into captivity. 
It doesn't matter. Just like your, your uh, other sister, the northern kingdoms went into captivity, so is Judah. They're going into captivity. It's going to happen. Judgment is coming. But who are you going to listen to? Listen to me. And so that's what he says in 15. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? See, they're making all these alliances with Egypt, and they're going to try to run to Egypt because they know Babylon's coming. They're looking for help. We do that in the world all the time. We're seeking counsel. We run to the world instead of to God. They're doing the same thing, and we'll get to that in a second. Because the potter has shaped us. Let's look at 17. Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book. Did you hear that? The deaf shall hear. See, because they hear with their heart in their spirit. And they hear with a, with, a, with a thought to obey. And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Light is, is being contrasted here. We want the light. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord. Are you increasing your joy in the Lord? And the poor among men shall rejoice, poor in spirit, in the Holy One of Israel, in the Messiah who we see on the pages of Scripture in John chapter 9, saying, I am the light of the world. For the terrible one is brought to nothing, and the scornful one is consumed, and all who watch for inequity are cut off, who make a man as an offender by a word, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and turn aside the just by empty words. He's cast out. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. You ever thought about that, that God redeemed Abraham? Just like we were redeemed. He redeemed Abraham by faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. What did he redeem him from? Ur of Chaldeum, which was all pagan worship. It was all serving false gods. And he said, Abraham, come with me. His name was Abram. Then it meant father. He changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations. And he still had no children. He, and, he, and he calls him out. He redeemed him. And, and, and he followed him. He wasn't perfect in it, but he followed him. He believed him. He trusted him for righteousness. Even though it didn't look like it. See, by sight, he's like, huh? chapter 15 of Genesis. Well, you keep saying this, but my only servant is, is, is Eleazar from Damascus, my head servant. And you said you're going to do this, and I haven't seen it. And then it's when God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Abraham. And remember, he was there with the smoking fire and the light, and he walked through these animals, and he finished the covenant, and he swore upon himself because Abraham couldn't. It's chapter 15 of Genesis, if you want to go read it later. And he redeemed Abraham. And then he gives him the covenant of circumcision. And it's a type for us of circumcising our flesh, cutting away all the flesh by following the light, by following truth, by being led by the Spirit, not following flesh and blood. Let me get to my point. Uh, verse 22b, Jacob shall 
not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complained will learn doctrine. Now again, this is talking about a future work. Now it's transition. It's talking about the future work he's going to do in Israel because if you go to Romans 11, you'll see that all Israel will be saved eventually. And it's, it's hard. I don't want to lose you. If I lose you in any of this, know this. Know this. Your spiritual eyes are more important than your physical eyes. And you need to be led by the Spirit. And you do not want to go down to the world for help. We're being set up right now so that the government and the world is our help. And that there's going to be these problems. And I don't know what they are. I'm not even going to tell you what they are. But whatever is coming down the pike on the, on the physical realm, it's to set you up to run to the government for help. But God has already pronounced judgment. And you need to run to God. And you need to learn to do it today. Or you'll automatically, in the flesh, run to the government. You'll run to what they're handing out. And you'll think you're okay because other people are doing it. Now watch this because he says it in Isaiah 30 and 31. Because of the king and the plans that Hezekiah has made. And he says, woe. He pronounces this woe to the rebellious children. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Woe to the rebellious children who says to the who says to says the Lord. Calm down, Greg. I'm going to jump up and start running here in a minute. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me. Where are you getting your counsel from? Who devise plans, but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin. See, this is what the devil wants us to do. Pour gasoline on our fire. The devil is the problem, and he comes in with the answer. He says, here, pour this gasoline on your fire, and everything's going to get better. Makes no sense. Who walk, this is, this is walk, this is how you're living to go down to Egypt. This is, and this is what he's saying. If you're going to the world for help, if you're going to Egypt for help, if you're going to turn back to the world instead of me, you are, you are pouring gasoline upon your fire and you're listening to a lie and your life is going back to Egypt and have not asked my advice. Listen, if God tells you to go to Egypt, we see it with Abraham, we see it with Isaac. He told him to go down to Egypt during a famine. But then they go down to Egypt and they lied. But if God doesn't tell you to go to Egypt, you don't want to go to Egypt. You want to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And we want to ask counsel from God. Look, who have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh's a type of Satan. The whole world's underneath the sway of the wicked one. Why would we want to strengthen ourselves in Pharaoh, the strength of Pharaoh, instead of the strength of God? And trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame. You reap what you sow. And the trust of the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. For his princes were in zone and his ambassadors came to Hanes. That's a couple cities in Egypt. They were all ashamed of, the peop of a people who could not benefit them or be help or benefit. But a shame and also a reproach. The world cannot help you. Listen to me. We're being brought out of the world. We're being taken out of the world. We're taken out of darkness. The whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. Do not go to the world for help. 
He says it again in chapter 31, 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster and will not call back his words. Judgment is coming, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of those who work in equity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall and he who is help will fall down. They all will perish together. Judgment is coming. So it's God. And the horses speak of strength and power, but we want the Spirit's power. And then when we want to make sure that we're not doing it in our physicalness, uh, but according to my Spirit, saith the Lord. Are you still blind? Listen to me. Are you still blind? Or are your eyes open to what God wants to do? Because we can go to church and say, I said a prayer and the Holy Spirit come in and we can reject the word of God and say, yeah, but, or maybe. And instead of following what the word of God says, where the spirit has given us power, the spirit has given us might. Do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. Psalms 95, 8. You want New Testament? It's three times. It's in Hebrews 3.8. It's in Hebrews 3.15. It's in Hebrews 4.7. They would not obey and mix faith with the Word of God. It tells us in chapter 4. Go read Hebrews 3 and 4. I don't have time to do it. They were in the wilderness. They wouldn't listen to God. They rejected God. Oh, we believe in God. But they wouldn't mix faith with the Word they were hearing. And walk in the light. The just shall live by faith. We do not walk by sight, but by faith. Trusting God's word. I wanted to go there deeper with you, but I'm not going to. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the world? Or the word of God, which is the light of the world? The world's in darkness. But we can listen to the light of the world. We can hear his voice and obey him. Back in our text, 937, Jesus told the man, you have both seen him and he who is talking with you. It is he who is talking with you. Who is the Messiah? Who is the Son of God? Who is the Son of Man? What did he do when he told him who he was? Then he said, Lord Kurios, definitely supreme in authority. I believe, I trust you, I'm committing to you completely. Then what did he do? And he worshiped him. He worshiped him. Listen, saying I believe in God is not a life where you just say it and you go on and keep worshiping the world. You keep doing what you've been doing. Worship is the word proskuneo. It means to bow down completely on your face. Has the connotation of a dog licking his master's hand because he knows where his help comes from. He worshiped him and Jesus accepted it because he's God. Notice Jesus doesn't say, get up. What are you doing worshiping me? I'm an angel. Get up, I'm just a prophet. Get up, I'm just a good man. Get up, I'm just a messenger. He receives the worship. 
because he's God in the flesh. He allows the man to worship him. There's other places, Revelation, there's places, Daniel, and they try to worship. And they say, no, don't worship me. I'm a man just like you. I'm an angel just like you. I'm a messenger just like you. Listen, Jesus allows him to worship him right there because that's his whole point. I am the light of the world. And he just took his blind eyes that were in darkness and he put clay on him. He finished him. And then he led him to himself. And then he gave him spiritual eyes to see. And he said, Kurios, I believe. And he, and he was married or betrothed to him right then. And he bows down and he worships him. And his life completely changes. 39, and Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. What? See, if you think you see and you're a religious leader and you think you've got it figured out, you're going to end up blind spiritually. But if you understand that I can't see, I need some wisdom here. I need the Holy Spirit here. I need God here. I'm blind. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what it's all about. I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. That's why he came. To bring crema, to bring judgment, judicial judgment in a courtroom or those who are on trial for 70, 80 years. And what are you going to believe? What are you going to say? I don't know him. No, who is he? I believe, and then I worship. Now notice, there's some Pharisees, some separated people that think they know stuff. Now listen to me, i got to be careful. In the book of Acts, we see that many of the Pharisees actually get saved. They actually come to salvation. Because you're never so far gone that God can't bring you in and lead you to himself. If you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. So even the Pharisees, many of them got saved, and the enemy became the Sadducees in the book of Acts. You can go look at it. You can watch it. Many of them got saved, and at least that's the way I read it, many of the Pharisees. But here are the Pharisees who were there. They heard Jesus say these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Because they're in contention. They're arguing. They think they're okay. They think they've created a system. They've been raised up and lied to. They've been living in apostasy. They've created their own religion by sight and not by the Spirit. They've created their own broken cisterns that can't even hold water. And all of this stuff is going on. And the Messiah is standing before them. And they've rejected the Messiah. They've cast out somebody he just made whole, and they refused to believe the miracle. And they said, are we blind also? And this is what Jesus' response is in 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. See, if you stop looking with your eyes, your sin is forgiven. You start looking at things with your heart and with the Spirit according to the Word of God, the light of God. Listen, your sins are forgiven. But now you say, this is what they say. We see, therefore your sin remains. Now listen, if you are living in your own esteem and you think you see and you think you're better and you think you don't have to humble yourself and you think you can go live in your life by yourself without Jesus and you think you're going to be okay and when you're going to get in without Jesus, without the good shepherd, without coming in some other way, he's going to go into chapter 10, remember. He's going to say there's no other way. Then you're blind. 
no matter how much you think you can see, you're still blind. You're still spiritually blind. Jesus is the only name by which man can be saved. Now think about this for a minute. These are the Pharisees. Now you guys remember, do you guys remember um, Saul of Tarsus? Because I want to go there now. You can turn over to Acts um, chapter 9. Remember Saul of Tarsus? We see our first picture of him in, well, let's just go there. Because there's two schools. Don't go to 9. Go to chapter 7, verse 51. There's two schools of, of life to live in, believing or unbelieving. Softening your heart so you can receive the word of God, so you can see the light of God and erase your darkness, or you can be hard-hearted. And if you remember, Stephen got saved. He was a table washer. He was working in the food bank. And he got in an argument with some, some, uh, uh, some of the men from the freedmen. And he, they, couldn't, they couldn't understand his wisdom. They couldn't debate his wisdom. And so he gets arrested. And he's brought before these uh, uh, same ruling authorities. And he gives them this entire beautiful dissertation of the entire historicity of, of Israel. Just in wisdom, he flows just because the Spirit of God brings it out. And then in 751, he says, You stiff neck and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law, of the, uh, the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Listen, he's, he's bringing this strong accusation in God's court against them, and they end up stoning him. It says in 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Something they're going to do for a long time if they didn't repent in hell. But he being full of the Holy Spirit. See this, listen to the trial, listen to the flesh and listen to how he reacts in the spirit because he's living for God. See, they're gnashing at him. They're, they're mad at him. And he's sure in truth with them and shining light in their face. And they get mad at him and gnash their teeth. And it says, here's his testimony. But he, he should have just skipped this, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. You have to know why he could do this. Is by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was growing in the Spirit of, uh, of God, gazed into heaven where our eyes should be fixed and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He's seated up there, remember, Ephesians 1. So many say he stood up to receive the first martyr, Stephen, into, the, into heaven and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so when he says this, they couldn't receive it either. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped up their ears. I don't know what they did. They put their fingers in their ears and went, no, 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 don't say that no more. I don't know what they did. They stopped up their ears. In other words, they become hard of hearing. They wouldn't listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's testifying of what he sees. He's testifying of what God is doing. He's testifying of the whole nation. He's telling them that they're stiff-necked and hard-hearted. You cannot receive light. You can't receive the word of God if you stay in that condition. Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. Listen, 
Ask God to give you a soft heart to receive truth and let it grow. And some produce 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Don't think you've arrived. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him with one accord. They're all the same heart. And they cast him out also, just like we've seen in John. This is afterwards, remember. Cast him out of the city, and then they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's being trained up underneath Gamaliel. He's holding their coats, approving of their actions, of killing the first martyr of the church. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, just like Jesus did. Do not hold this against them. Look, he became like Christ. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A euphemism for he died. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look at chapter 8. Now Saul, same Saul that was holding, was consenting to his death. Coats at the feet. At that time, great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Listen, what was going on? We're living for Jesus. What is going on? Why is this damage coming? Why are they persecuting us? Listen, God allowed this because he told them to go. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But they laid up in Jerusalem and they wouldn't go. They laid up in Jerusalem and they were becoming blind and he brought persecution to make them go. He brought the trials of life to make them trust in him and to cry out to him and to pray and to go to the places to reach the lost souls. And Saul was being used to do that. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Why do I tell you that? Because Saul, chapter 9, I want you to see a testimony of somebody who had physically, he had eyes. But then God blinded him physically so that he could open his eyes spiritually. Because he was being trained. He knew the word of God. He knew the truth, but he had been taught by false religious apostate people. But he had a heart for God. He really wanted to do the work of God. And he thought that he was stamping out the people of this way. And he was being zealous for God. But it was the wrong way. It was in his own power. It was in his own might. It was to impress people instead of to serve God in a relationship. Now watch Saul chapter 9 verse 1. Then Saul. Now what's this about? He's a Benjamite. Remember Saul, the very first king of Israel, who was a Benjamite, who started off, he was was such a, a meek and mild, humble man that when they came to anoint him as king, what was he doing? He was hiding underneath some baskets. He wouldn't even come out. He wouldn't even come out. They had to go find him. The spirit said, he's over there underneath the baskets. Go get him. But by the time he became king, he began to take everything and build statues and monuments to himself. See, he's living backward. God put his spirit upon him, and he began to prophesy with the prophets that the people said, is Saul a prophet? God gave him a new heart. 
but he went backward. Instead of staying humble, instead of being humble, he became real proud, and God took his spirit from him. And God put an evil spirit upon him. And that's where David comes in, who is the type of Christ. And David played the leer to calm the, the spirit when Saul was freaking out. And, and Saul would get so mad at David because of who he was. And he knew that David was going to be king soon that he would chuck spears at him. And we have a picture of the devil, the Antichrist, throwing spears at Christ. And he couldn't hit him. He never could pin David to the wall. David would escape. David could have taken him out at any time. And he said, I will not lay a hand on God's anointed. God had put him in that position. If you're struggling with your boss, God put him in that position. It's not your boss you're struggling with. You're struggling with God. God's the one put him in that place. If you're struggling with your spouse, go to God. Cry out to God. Listen, Saul, this is his namesake. Later, you'll see in the second missionary journey, he changes his name to Paul. When he meets Sergius Paulus, he changes his name to uh, the Roman name Paul. Still breathing threats. This is what he's breathing. Instead of breathing life of God, he's breathing threats. Instead of the breath of life being in him, it's, the, it's death culture. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, which is the false high priest. It's Annas. It's the one that, that the Roman government has put in place and that somebody else is working through. The same way we have our government today, it's not really them. It's somebody else doing the work through them and giving the orders. We see it. We're going to see it in chapter 23 of 2 Kings on Friday night if you want to come out. And he asks for letters. Listen, this guy is so zealous to do the work of God and doesn't know he's living death culture. He gets letters to go to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he finds anyone who is of the way, why is it the way? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one. Whether men or women, he may bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's going 150 miles. Listen, because persecution broke out, they fled, and he's going to chase them. This is how zealous he is to do the work of God. Watch it, watch it, watch it. This is, you're going to see perfect salvation, perfect metanoia, repentance, perfect direction change, all because of who Jesus is. Watch this. And as he journeyed, here he goes, he came near Damascus, oldest city on the planet. Listen, it's really weird. It means silent is the sackcloth weaver. That's what Damascus means. I'm like, what? What does that mean? Silent is the sackcloth weaver. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. That's what it means. It's in Syria, though. Remember, Assyria. It's in Syria. And suddenly, I changed my Bible. What happened? A light shone around him from heaven. Who's the light that come down from God? Who's the light of the world? I've made mine a capital L. A light shone around them from heaven. The light of the world. See, now Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the grave. He spent 40 days with his disciples. He ascended into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And then these years later, Saul is attacking and persecuting and Jesus comes again to meet him as one born out of due time, we're told over in, uh, uh, it's either Galatians or Corinthians, but Paul gives testimony of it. Look at this. A light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4. What happened then, Greg? He fell to the ground. 
humbled himself. He fell to the ground. He was standing on his own and he fell to the ground. The light was so powerful. And he heard a voice saying to him, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice who it is. It's Jesus. When he says, listen, listen. He said it to Abraham in chapter 22 of, of Genesis. He said, he said, Abraham, Abraham. Here he says, Saul, Saul. It's an attention getter to say it twice. Why are you persecuting me? Listen, anytime somebody's persecuting God's people, his children, God takes it personal and he will come and intervene. He will come and protect. He's coming. He says, you're not persecuting them. You're persecuting me. When you see somebody being persecuted, it's because they hate God. And if you're the body of Christ, where Christ is the head, then you're persecuting Christ. If you're not living for him, you're against him. If you're scattering abroad, you're against him. If you're not gathering with him, listen, we're called to be part of the body. He says, why are you persecuting me? Now, listen, he knows his own heart, right? To a, to a degree, he knows what he's got letters for. He knows what he's doing. I, can't, I actually believe, and I, I can't prove it, can't, I think he was there in the temple with the blind man. He's a Pharisee. He's being raised up. A couple years later, he's there with, with, as a Pharisee, and he sees Stephen. It's probably a year later. See, Stephen gets stoned. I can't prove it. I can't say it. I think he was there. Think about this. This is a huge thing where Saul is hearing truth. He heard everything Stephen said, and he's hearing all the testimony of God, and the coats are being laid there, and he's hearing it, and it's, and it's just staying on his heart. And he really wants to do right for God, but he's listening to a system that's apostate. And he thinks he's doing good for God, but he's being lied to. And he's not listening to the Spirit of God. Now, he could have been there with the blind man, is all I'm saying. And I'm getting a little excited. And he falls to the ground. He hears this voice, and faith comes by hearing. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's thinking, you. And he goes, look, he asks a question. He doesn't say, Forget you, he says, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Kurios, supreme in authority? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You know what a goad is? King James, it says pricks, because it's a sharp stick that you stab a cattle in. And you're trying to move him in a certain direction and get him going and keep him moving forward. It's a goad. And things in life are goads to move us in a specific direction. And trials are goads to get us to cry out to God and to move in a direction towards God and to look up. Instead of following the world and its system and its religiosity and doing what they say is good, we want to know what God says is good. And he says, you're persecuting me, and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. What's he doing? He's lifting up his heel against him instead of lifting Jesus up. And he's getting stabbed in his feet. Everywhere he goes, he's kicking against the goads. He's kicking back. That's what a cow will do. When you try to goad them, they'll kick back at you. This is what he's doing. God's trying to get him to move away from religion away from self, away from his own eyes of seeing things and doing what everybody else is doing, and to begin to see with his heart 
and his spiritual eyes and go out and live for Jesus and trust in his spirit to be led instead of the world or physical. Instead of going down to Egypt for help and to the world, he wants him to come to him for help and truly treat him like he's Lord of all. Because see, if God isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because if you believe he's Lord, then you have to believe he's Lord all over. He's supreme in authority. He knew it was coming. He knew what happened. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on. Verse 6, what's our response? 6 is the number of man. So he, trembling and astonished. What? Jesus, and I've been fighting against you? He's astonished. He's trembling. He's Fear of God is real. This Jesus that everybody said they were, he really is alive. And now he's a light from heaven. He's shining in my face. I have fallen down. The power is so strange. I'm bowed before him. Proskuneo on the ground. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little excited. It's impossible to meet the Lord of glory and not to get excited. It's impossible to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and not get a little bit excited. Now, we're all different. I'm an excitable boy, so. Six, this is him, this number of men. He said, Lord, kurios, what do you want me to do? Notice his heart just changed. I was doing what I wanted to do. I've got letters. I want to make a name for myself. I want to prove that I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I want to follow this religious system. And he just instantly met Jesus. Instantly, he says, I'm not doing what I want to do anymore. What do you want me to do? New king in charge. New reason for life. Metanoia. What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, wake from your sleep, and I'll give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. No, that's what he says over to, to the rest of them after he gets up. Watch this. He, he says, Arise, go into the city, Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. God doesn't ever tell us everything all at once. But he revealed himself. He revealed himself. Now at this moment, the light is so bright that Saul doesn't know that he's blind. So look at the next line, verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him, because he's got this whole entourage to arrest, stood speechless. They didn't know what to say. They heard a voice, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. See, God's opening Paul's spiritual eyes. They can hear something, but they can't make it out. You'll see this testimony in the book of Acts. Three times, I think, he gives it. He says it differently, and it, it's pretty interesting what happens because he uses the word phonics here. I used to use the, the example that I would yell down in the basement to my wife where our laundry room was, and i go, honey, and she'd be like, I can't hear you. And I'd say, yes, you can. She'd go, well, I can hear your voice, but I can't hear what you're saying. See, they heard a voice, but they couldn't make it out because it wasn't for them. It was for Saul. It was for him. It's a personal relationship. Are you having a personal relationship with God? And then you bring that relationship with the body of Christ. That's the dynamic of the one another ministry. 
They heard it. They didn't know. They didn't see anyone. They're blind. Not physically, spiritually. Now watch this, verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground. He, he's obeying. He said, rise, go into the city. So he's obeying. All he's doing is step-by-step step obeying. This is what metanoia is. This is what repentance is. This is what turning is. The same way the blind man in chapter 9 went to the pool of Siloam, which means sent and washed, Paul is getting up and obeying because he met a new king. He met Jesus. His life is changed. He rose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Listen, he's blind. Physically blind now. But you know what's great? His heart was so soft that even while he was doing what he thought he was doing was right for God, that he was still, his heart, God knew. He saw the heart. He saw a heart for him. And he says, I'm going to go meet him. I'm going to go talk to him. He's good. This is a testimony of you getting saved, me getting saved, Saul getting saved. If you truly got saved, you met God and you said, what do you want me to do? You don't go on living your life in yourself. You don't, and, and if you think you're saved, you're still blind if you're not living for God. This is the whole point that Jesus is making when he says, I came for judgment's sake, that those who do not see can see. And that those who think they can see, they're blind. He told them they're still in their sins because their eyes haven't been opened because they're still living for self. They're living for the world. You know, this is the outward. Here's your homework. Go read Philippians chapter 3. And Paul gives a testimony of what was going on inside of his heart. While he's on the outward, we're getting this, this, this testimony of the outward. On the inside, he said, I was this. I was Pharisee of Pharisees. I, he was being raised at the hand of Gamaliel. And he counted it all dung compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He counts it all dung. See, you can't keep looking at the world and chasing it and say you can see Jesus. Because there's nothing else in this world to desire once you see Jesus. This, this out here, it, it, yes, yes, be, be a good steward. Yes, go out with wisdom and, and be gentle as a dove. Yes, go out and keep living your job and be an example. But all of this is going to burn. And if you don't see that, you're still blind. And your, phys or your spiritual eyes have not been opened. Yes, use everything God gives you to reconcile souls. But if you're still chasing this stuff, you're, you're no closer saved than, than, than what Saul was when he was trying to arrest and imprison and kill Christians. You have to soften your heart for your eyes to be open. And God will come and blind you to the things of this world. He'll blind you to the aspirations of this world. He'll blind you to all the things the world has to offer and open your eyes to go see what he says. Now, he, he's going to wrestle with it. Watch this wrestling. Watch this wrestling. He's blind. He came on horses with great pomp and pride. I'm going to arrest him. And then he's led in by his hand, somebody else's power, somebody else's strength into Damascus. Silent is the sackcloth weaver. Listen, what's going on there? Silently, the tapestry of his life is being weaved by the sackcloth weaver, by God. In trial, in pain, in suffering, he's moving toward and being conformed into the image of God silently. 
God does that. The still small voice, if we will listen and we will hear and we will obey. Verse 9, and he was, notice that that was verse 8, new beginning. And he was there, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So he's blind physically, but his eyes spiritually are open. Listen to me. This man who is going in great pomp, living in the whole world. I'm going to get everything. I'm going to get the most toys. I'm going to win. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. Have you really met Jesus? And he blinds him to the things of this world. And listen, he's wrestling. Because so you know what happens? He's fasting instantly. He knows what to do. He's saying, if this is really God, I need to know. And he starts fasting. And he doesn't have food for three days because he needs to know. Is this really God? Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Don't believe your experience. Line it up with the word of God and the voice of God and the ways of God. He does not change. Because we're being set up for lying signs and wonders. It's coming. Not going to change the message. I'm just trying to read it to you. Verse 10, now there was a certain disciple, a disciple is a follower, a learner at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and what does he say? Here I am, Lord. See, this is why I want you to see that the Old Testament ties together with the New Testament. In the Old Testament, that's what Abraham said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, New Testament, they get saved. Ananias, here I am. What do you say when God says something to you? Are you hearing his voice? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are you saying, here I am, whatever you call me to do. What do you want me to do? Or are you saying, oh, I said a prayer. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything else. Listen, that's not somebody that meets Jesus. To continue in your own strength, you when you wake up and have spiritual eyes, you realize how weak and inept you are and, and, and how lost you were and how you were going to hell and you had no way of knowing it. And he opens your eyes and you go, wow, this is humbling. I thought I was all that and a box of chocolates. And I'm nothing. And it's all about him. So watch, here's Ananias doing one of the things that Peter did on the not-so-Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to do your will in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. I love this. <laughs> and inquire at the house of Judas. And look at the names. It's even Judas's house. For one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. What, you, what should you be doing first if you've come to, your eyes are open? Praying. He's praying and fasting. He's blind. And that's why I think, I think, man, just think if he was in the temple that day when the blind men come in and they're questioning, but he's being trained so he's not allowed to speak. We're not told in the text. Listen, don't read into text. Be very careful when you do that. But I'm just thinking that he was there. And this is such a powerful thing if he was standing there when a man born blind was blind and then his eyes are open and they're all freaking out trying to figure it out. And then he overhears maybe him saying, are we blind too? And then in his own life, the testimony of falling down and God allows him to be blinded. And then he's going to give him his sight back. I'm just saying, I don't know it to be true. 
but we go through things in life and then we see other people go through them and we're able to counsel them and able to walk through it easier because God prepares us for it. So to me, it lines up with who God is, but I can't tell you it happened for real. But look what Ananias says. He finds out, here he is, and he's praying. He tells him everything about, which by the way, praying is worship. It's oratory chapel. It's the, it's, it's, the most, it's, it's the most profound and purest way to worship God is to pray. Because you have no strength. You have no might. You have no power of your own. And all you can do is turn to God and cast your cares upon him and trust him. He wants us in a place of prayer. My house should be a house of prayer to all nations. Not a house of the word, a house of prayer. The word reveals who you're praying to. And make sure you're praying with wisdom. But praying is complete dependency upon him to change us and help us to understand what he's doing already so we can be involved in the reconciliation of souls. Verse 12. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. So God gave him this vision. And what's he going to do? He's going to come in and put his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. He's praying and fasting, and God says, don't worry. He gives him a vision. You're going to receive your sight back. This is just temporary blindness. Listen, if you're willing to give up everything and be blind to these things, God will give you back what you need. God will give you back what you need. But don't try to take hold of it like it's yours anymore. You're a steward. Everything belongs to God. When you begin to think that you own it and you get to do what you want and be what you want with your stuff, then you're back in self. You're back in blindness. Everything that we have now is God's. And we're a steward. And it's required that stewards be found faithful with God's stuff. He owns everything. He bought you with the blood of Jesus. So everything you own belongs to him. Use it to reconcile souls. 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) Lord, I heard some rumors. (laughs) Lord, I heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Lord, I'm a little bit scared here. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. Now, you want me to walk up in the lion's den? He's arresting people. You want me to go there, Lord? Am I really hearing from you? Listen. But the Lord said to him, second witness, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Notice, before Gentiles. That became his ministry. We know that he would go to his own countrymen. He was a Jew. He was half half Jew. And his mom was a, a Gentile, I believe. Um born in Tarsus. Listen to me. God announced exactly who he was. He didn't tell Saul who he was, but he told Ananias that he was a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name, my character, my nature, my authority, my will before Gentiles, before kings. We're going to see him testify before kings. And then before the children of Israel who reject him. For I will show him, listen, this is getting hard. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Listen, 
through much suffering shall we enter the kingdom of God. This guy went through some stuff. And if you want to see it, you read chapter 3 of Philippians and he tells everything that he went through. He tells about what he gave up. He tells about uh, how that he doesn't want to look by sight anymore. He wants to see by the Spirit. And Ananias went. So he was told to go. Took a minute. Went his way. Entered the house. Laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul. Those of you calling him brother now. He knows he's saved. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came. So we know that Ananias was told more by God has sent me that you may receive your sight and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just receive your sight, but when you come spiritually awake, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit comes in and begins to do the work in you to change you into the image of God. And you begin to be led by the Spirit of God. And you can have power, Acts 1.8. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. He was obedient. He went and got baptized in water, just like everybody else was that he was trying to kill. So when he had received food, now he's going to eat. He was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with his disciples at Damascus. Notice what happened. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is He, Lord, that I might believe? Arise and obey. Turn. Go the other way. He immediately changed what He was talking about. He immediately went another direction. He immediately was conformed on the inside and transformed. But He's preaching because He already had all the knowledge. He already knew the Scriptures. And God opened His blind eyes, His spiritual eyes, which are more important than anything. If your spiritual eyes are open, you're not going to keep doing what you've been doing. It's going to be the world behind me, the cross before me. It's going to be reconciliation of souls. Make me faithful, Lord. Teach me how to go out and follow my gifts. He's leading us to himself. Are you lifting up your heel against the Lord or are you lifting up the Lord? There's only two places to live your Christian life. Lift him high, and he'll draw everyone to himself. Lift your foot up against him, and you're not going to like what you reap. But he still will pursue you, and he might make your eyes blind so that he can fill you with his spirit. But he's going to come and get you. It might be chastisement, but he's going to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus surrender today today is the day for salvation father thank you that you've led us to yourself and the next chapter is the good shepherd the great shepherd the chief shepherd of the sheep it's all about you help us to humble ourselves in your sights that you may lift us up lord open our blind eyes so that we can see help us to have a testimony that we were once blind but now we see Teach us to be faithful, Lord. Show us our gifts, talents, and abilities and send us out as witnesses in this grand courtroom for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. 
Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Desire.